right, we got the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Camillo on the Raz Report today. We're going to do a short 20-minute one to get an update. Before, Chris, we talk about any stocks or anything like that, I have to know if you're still intermittent one meal a day. And I know the benefits you told me in Arizona, but let's go. Are you doing that? Jason, I will be intermittent one day away, one meal a day for the rest of my life. I told you that, man. This is not a short-term thing. This so is every how, day. So, Chris, Chris, did you, like, in high school run track or something? I threw discus. I almost went to state, believe it or not. <laughs> so, because so, so, so you're a pretty disciplined. You're a pretty disciplined guy. I'm pretty disciplined. Yeah, no, I wrestled in high school and uh, did some football and discus. Yeah, I mean, listen, dude, I, I'm just a disciplined guy in, in general. Absolutely. But, but... It's what not for every college. Did you go? Did you go to SMU? I, I didn't. I dude, I didn't learn anything in college, dude. I I, I just want to know if you. I just want to know if you did well in high school. I was the bottom twenty five percent. I think bottom ten percent of my class, my high school class. You um, yeah, I did not do well in high school. I did do pretty well in college, but well, let me ask I you a question. When you care. say you didn't do well in high school, is it because you didn't care? You were still disciplined, but you just didn't care on it? Like maybe you did well in the female category. You did well in sports, <laughs> but you just didn't care about, you know, the academics I, part. I, I was aloof, uh, and my brain wasn't ready for academics. I just was a little immature. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it immature. I just, I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling it in high school. I didn't really care, and even if I did care, I wasn't really capable of of achieving anything academically at that age. I just like, I wasn't developed to that point. My, my brain maybe wasn't. All right. So you're going to do intermittent fasting one meal a day for the rest of your life. And the reasons are one of them you told me was inflammation. You had a bad back. That pain went away. Is Dude, like J- Jason, I, for eight and a half years, my pain has never, ever been below a three on a zero to 10 scale. And it usually hovers around a five and for weeks at a time, it might be an eight or a nine. Dude, like nothing has helped. Literally nothing. Uh, I go to physical therapy every week for four years. It helps a little. The, within six weeks of intermittent fasting, my pain went down to a zero. It's the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Like I'm sitting in this chair. I used to not be able to sit in a chair for more than 15 minutes without being in excruciating pain. Like the inflammation is gone. Also, this is the first winter of my life that outside of having COVID for a few days, I did not get sick. My allergies, no sore throats, no flu. My entire family was sick, I think, twice uh, with my wife basically coughing in my face at night. And I I did not get sick for the first time in 48 years, dude. Like your, your immune system like accelerates. Uh, the pain goes away. The inflammation goes away. By the way, the brain fog is gone. I think the reason why I'm having such a big year as a trader is like there's no brain fog. My energy is back. I feel like I'm 20 years old again. Dude, it is a miracle. And for those that can't do it for whatever reason, and it's not hard, dude. It's not hard. After like five weeks, four or five weeks, you don't want to eat. And by the way, you can have as many cheat days as you want. I have cheat days. Like I'll do a cheat day with my family for brunch or something like that. It's not hard, dude. But if you can't do it, the rest of the world has Ozempic, man. So like, it's it, 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 which does a lot of the same thing in terms of like getting you to eat less and 
just be healthier and drink less and all that stuff. And it, and it helps you reduce your appetite. So when you want to eat, um, like today, I have not eaten a thing yet. And um, I didn't eat yesterday a thing, but then I... I haven't kept it fully, and I got to go back to it. I was doing the I was doing the eight hour thing where I ate eat from like 12, one to eight, and then I did a few of the one days, and I think I just have to go back to it. I just think I, I just and, just get and, and it's also staying busy, right? And, and listen, not to sound like one of these uh, TikTok body hacking guys, but I will say also, ending every shower with as cold as it gets for like forty five seconds life-changing um and delaying i do have one small black coffee a day but i won't allow myself to have it until about two hours after i wake up which allows all the chemicals from your brain to naturally flow through as they should in the morning and it just that is life-changing so yeah intermittent fasting cold showers and like delaying your coffee your caffeine intake a couple hours it, that all works together, and dude, it's wild. And, 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 and uh, I know Chris's screen's maybe a little blurry, but it's because he's on the beach, but and he's on this Wi-Fi. So it was in, but Aaron said it's not a big deal. He'll get the direct fee. But, but one thing, uh, two things. So people are probably thinking, well, does he eat healthy during that time when he yeah. does the – he eats whatever. The other thing, Chris – what you should know is that I think about you when I shower now almost every day, which is really not exciting, exciting but I do, I do for like 25 seconds because I just get bored. My ADD gets the best of me. I do the cold shower for the last 20 seconds. Did, did I tell you the trick to, to, to make sure you can make that happen? If you're, if you're like hesitant to do it, you have to physically yell at yourself and say, Jason, don't be and choose your word. Be a B, whatever you want to call. It. Don't don't you be today to get. Come on, man. Like you just gotta like like ridicule. You gotta ridicule yourself. Okay, that's you're what they embarrassed. Me. That's what they taught me in this weight loss. This group, this monster group that they did, and you have to say, "Don't be uh yeah." And you have yeah. to okay. So that's how you do it. Okay. Um, cause I'm about to get like a cold plunge in my house. Like, um, but we'll see. I haven't done it yet. We're like cold plunge and uh, that's a lot. Know. If you can pull that off, good for you. That's all for me. It's just, man. And you live, you live in Detroit. The water is so cold in Detroit. You just turn that shower to ice cold and that's, that will do 95, 90% no, of what that's right, cool. You're right. I know. I know Dana White has that red laser thing he does. Um, I haven't done that. I haven't done any of that, but I know that that's been hot for a few years and people swear by it. Um, And so, yeah, that, that, that's good as well. I think. Okay. So, all right. Now we we talked with Chris Camillo on the health. Okay. Intermittent fasting, but now we're getting to the stocks, tech stocks. Chris Camillo is having another great year. Him and I share picks. I give him HubSpot. I don't give him that many, but HubSpot was one of them. I when it goes up, goes down. And I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I know. I know. I, I bought it at sixty. Went to like four five hundred. I sold it at like three fifty. Then I bought it back at two ninety, and now it's at five something. I think it's going to eventually get bought out by someone, and I'm just staying long. But um, I'm big into well, you know, those Ozempic plays, Lily, NVO. And then there's a derivative play. So let's talk the healthcare uh, ones quick. We got another like 15 minutes left. Okay. So before we talk about the company, because I think you're, you're wanting to talk about in mode, I think, right? Um, yes, let's just yes. talk. Let's talk about how we got there, right? So I, my favorite social arb trades, and by the way, 
I don't know how you introduced me, but I'm Chris Camillo from DumbMoney.tv. Uh, I'm a social arbitrator, so I essentially try to detect change early in the world, whether it's culture or consumer behavior, and connect the dots to investable opportunities in the market, whether they be long or short. I've been doing this for you know, 15 yeah. years. I didn't say all that because I just figured everyone knew. But, yeah, go ahead. Keep all going. right. Maybe, maybe, maybe they know. And then uh, no, they, for anyone no, that right. wants to dive in deeper on this, my YouTube channel, uh, Dumb Money Live, also uh, Jack Schwager's Unknown Market Wizards, and I tweet about all my stuff at Chris Camillo and Dumb Money TV as well. So, uh, But listen, there has been a massive cultural shift the last couple of years, and it's been driven by filtering and AI uh, when it comes to beauty online with, you know, TikTok, Instagram, uh, what you'll notice is that nobody actually looks like they actually look online anymore. This is not like a huge surprise. It's something that we've all been able to see. But if you're deep into social analysis, like I am, I spend about three hours a day interpreting social data, you'll notice that there's been a pretty massive uptick the last few months with like AI uh, filtering that is so exceptional for video that it's no longer still images. Everybody that's doing video live, which is hundreds of millions of people globally, now all have these filters and they look really good. Bottom line, they just look really good. So they have to try to make that up um, in their real life. So they try to match their online persona in real life so there's not too big of a discrepancy. So... Um, I identified this trend and noticed that, you know, we know about the lip fillers. I was actually one of my big trades many years ago uh, when uh, it was Kylie Jenner started uh, announced that she did lip fillers with Allergan. So it uh, started with lip fillers and we now have all kinds of like what we call non-invasive or minimally invasive uh, things that you can do to basically make yourself look better, to make your skin tighter all over your body, right? Uh, to make your skin better. And this is now accentuated by both the online AI filtering that's making everyone look so good online that they're trying to catch up with, and also going back to Novo and Lily with Ozempic and Monjuro, uh, it's going back to these weight loss drugs. So the entire world has just begun this cycle of shrinking. So we're going to have a situation in the next two to three years where millions to tens of millions of people are literally going to shrink on these weight loss drugs. We're talking 10 to 25 as much as 30% of their body weight. Well, what happens when you're on these drugs and you lose all this weight, whether through intermittent fasting like me, I've lost 20 pounds, or whether you're on Ozempic, uh, you, your skin uh, starts to get a little flabby because the fat goes away, but the skin doesn't go away. So a lot of people are trying to figure out how do I tighten that skin? And you could obviously have plastic surgery, but it's crazy expensive, obviously invasive, and most people just don't want to do plastic surgery. So um, in addition to things like injections and makeup and creams, um, there are procedures that are called... Um, microneedling and then a form of microneedling which is called radio frequency microneedling and then deep radio frequency microneedling where these microneedles basically go you know thousands of them go underneath your skin on your face and all over your body and then they have radio frequencies and it goes in and it's a minimally invasive procedure that you get done two or three times once a year or every couple of years that gets you like a third to half the way that you would get 
to when if you were to have an actual facelift or actual plastic surgery, which is just wild. Now, it does cost thousands of dollars, uh, hundreds to thousands of dollars, but it's way less expensive than plastic surgery and way easier. Like in a, in a couple days, you're, you're totally good again. The redness goes away and like, oh my God, it's like you just had plastic surgery. It's wild, right? So the leader in this category... Uh, and by the way, I'm, you know, I'm not a financial advisor. This is just kind of what I'm doing in my own account. So please, if, with anything you hear in this interview, just take it as an idea and just start your research and make your own decisions. Uh, but there's a company called InMode. Uh, I-N-M-D is the ticker. And they are one of the leaders, if not the leader, especially when it comes to deep radio frequency microneedling. Uh, and they're a publicly traded company. They kind of went... They, they had a big uh, boom cycle during the pandemic for whatever reason. And then there was a short report that came out on them, uh, mainly due to the CEO having a, somewhat of a, I don't want to say a shady history, but a suspect history with his former company where he left and then immediately got permission to sell all of his shares. Uh, so there's a little bit of a concern around the management team here at InMode. So the company has come way back down, uh, but they are the leader in this space. And I think likely to be one of the biggest beneficiaries of this cultural shift that we're seeing, primarily of females. And it's not just females in their 50s and 60s or even 40s. Believe it or not, if you speak to people that own med spas, they will tell you that they are seeing females in their 20s and 30s getting these procedures done as a preventative measure because they're just so anxious and there's so much anxiety around the way females look right now and we're seeing more single females than ever before. So what does that mean? It doesn't just mean that they want to look good because they're single. What it means is that they are controlling more of their purse, right? Because they actually are working. They have their own money that they can uh, expend in any way that they want. And we're seeing a massive cycle of female empowerment and female financial independence where women are able to spend their money where they want to spend it. And recent surveys have shown that women would rather spend money on the way they look over the way that they mean mean on on self care than on clothing than on apparel, which is really amazing, right? So they actually care more about this stuff than they do about apparel, and we already know how much they care about apparel. So I think this is the early stage of a mega cycle, and in mode is just happens to be in the right place at the right time, uh, and minus the one. Big, big risk factor, which is like a super deep recession that would make it really difficult for people to spend the money on these procedures because they're not cheap. That being a big risk factor. Other than that, I think they're really well positioned to be the primary beneficiary of this cultural shift that we're seeing in the world right now. So that's kind of how I think as an observational social arm investor. And and that's the trade. Now, and I just showed their site. Um, how do you know the competition for this face tightening, body tightening, neck tightening? Like, have you looked at that? Like, I know this is a Yeah, there is competition. There, it, no, you could make a case that, that in-mode Morpheus 8 machines, that's their primary, kind of their newest, best machine, uh, it is the kind of the market leader in terms of deep radio frequency uh, microneedling and what they have going for them is Kim Kardashian, like all of these mega, mega celebrities partnered with them and really kind of gave them a big reputational tailwind. Um, but there are competing machines out there. And listen, uh, Jason, 
I think that a lot of these machines are going to benefit. Okay, so it's like not they're not the only game in town, but they're kind of the market leader in a space that should, in my mind at least, theoretically go through a mega cycle of expansion because the people that buy these machines and they cost six figures or like a hundred to one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. They're finance, and they're the people that buy them are 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 dermatologists, med spas, yep. and they have to finance these machines. Um, and they have to pick one of the four or five major manufacturers. But InMode is like one of the very biggest. And they're still just scratching the surface. I think they only have like 8 or 12% of the theoretical uh, uh, skin ethnicians. Uh, I can't say that word very well. Uh, actually yeah. utilizing uh, their product. So there's a lot of runway left. Um in this industry and sector, and they're doing things beyond just skin. They're they're evolving the radio frequency to pro, uh, machines that can actually help correct vision. There's all kinds of additional stuff, but I, that's not my primary thesis, right? Primary yeah. thesis: yeah. women with more money wanting to look great, and this is like the best way to do it beyond just buying makeup, and they don't want to get plastic surgery, so it's a sweet spot. Yep. If you go to their website, you can see who what vent what. Uh, Places in your location have the, their technology, so I just went to their site to see that. And so you buy, you bought the common stock. I'm also along the stock guys, and I have a few options, not a lot. Do you buy more stock, more options? How do you make your position? So I, I sometimes it's equity, sometimes it's options, sometimes it's both. In this case, it's both. So I have a combination of equity and call options. Um, I honestly don't know what my options are offhand or when they expire. I uh, usually just buy options and continue to kind of trade trade them up and trade them up. But are your options when you buy options are they like a year from down? You know, like no, I never buy. I rarely, hardly ever buy options a year down the road. The premiums are just too high. So I, I usually buy options that expire either right before or right after uh, the next expected earnings date for earnings that company. Okay. And the reason why I sometimes buy options that expire before uh, earnings is because hedge funds and institutions have access to transactional data uh, and channel data. And usually they kind of have an insight into how a company is doing even before earnings. So if I am interpreting social contextualized data sets, which is real time, which beats their data, um, I have a feeling that they'll catch up to me, but probably catch up to me before the earnings day, which not always, but usually happens. Also, in the case of InMode, I think if they have a decent, a good quarter, like I think they will, um, I think they're likely to, there's a decent chance of them pre-announcing uh, you know, results before the quarter. So I didn't want to spend that extra. I don't always want to spend the extra premium to like buy options after earnings. Again, I, I honestly don't recall which options I have on the stock, but that that's my but, general strategy. But, but let's say I, I don't. We're not going to give you your position sizing. But let's just say you had a hundred thousand dollars of the common stock, or a million dollars of the common stock. You had a million dollars. How much of an how much an options would you play? Would you do ten percent? Like I'm just percent. Yeah. So like. It, yeah, I, I rarely would buy like a million dollars of options. So I, I would buy a million dollars of equity. Uh, that That's not unusual for me. Usually when I want to kind of have an accelerator on top of that, I'll maybe spend $100,000, maybe $200,000 on options uh, to go along with the equity. So may, maybe I'll buy anywhere between 10 and 30% of what I spend on equity. I'll kind of overlay it with some options. And usually my options are either at the money 
or slightly in the money. I ge- listen. I used to get, I used to do a lot of out of the money stuff. No longer because I feel like a lot of the out of money stuff these days with all the new generation of investors that are doing crazy FOMO stuff, they get they get a little they go a little overboard and they they run up the premiums on that stuff. And I just don't find a lot of value in out of the money options these days unless you're yeah. really confident. Uh, of a time window from when you think something is going to hit. Uh, because, you know, social arb investing is all about investing when you see something that others don't appreciate, but you also think that others will get some information in the near future to allow them to see what you're seeing and the stock should, yeah. you know. And so by buying at the, at the money or in the money, if the stock goes down a little bit, you're not totally screwed because you're in the money or at the money. But also, Jason, the issue is with this volatile market, you can't trust the market right now, right? So the market's been great the last couple of months, but you just can't trust this market. So if the market gets hit 5%, 8%, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you, know, you pick the right company, you're probably going to get hit. So you want to have a little bit of, uh, at least me, I want to have a little bit of cushion there in these sorts of markets at least. Got it, got it. And so that's how you will play an option, and then so it's like ten to twenty percent. Okay, yeah. we have time for one more. I saw you put something out yesterday on Tesla, talking about the the hum, humanoids, the robots inside the thing. What was your? Yeah, that was that was a clip off of a dumb money show that we actually did a few weeks ago when I went in on Tesla. For the first, and the timing was pretty great. Like I went on Tesla, like right before the run, and, and, and my thesis well, your was timing. Prim- I mean, you're up, you're up like sixty percent this year. Yes, sixty-five, seventy percent, I think, yeah. on the year so far, which a total portfolio return, which is freaking nuts. Honestly, but but you know, yeah. I have. So, so you don't hold that many stocks then. No, 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 I don't. And for those that don't know my history and haven't read the Market Wizards books, um, I do have, I think, now a sixteen-year track record of. 60-something percent annualized returns, uh, which I know sounds fake, but it's been audited by Jack Schwager and others in Business Insider. Uh, I think this is my 16th year of having an open audited track record on my investing. So, yeah, this has been a great year. I'm hoping to hit like 100% return this year if it keeps going. Um, but but la- so, last, year was, last year wasn't as fun though, right? Or was it just no, last year I made some critical errors, mainly getting too involved with NFTs that kind of distracted me. Um, it wasn't that I did terrible last year. It's that I missed a window to have an, another incredible year. And last year was probably the worst year I've had in a, over a decade. I want to say my account was around break even. I might have lost some. I, I don't know, but it was roughly around even-ish, which really hurt um, for me. But Tesla, this is really important. I think, I think one of the most underappreciated parts of Tesla right now is their humanoid project. Um, really, people aren't talking about it enough. They're not focused on it. Now, I happen to probably know more about humanoids than most investors because I'm also invested in a private humanoid company that's been developing humanoids for the past seven and a half years. And I just happen to know that the acceleration in hardware development for humanoids in the last 12 months has, it's been like a hockey stick. So I'm really excited for the private company I'm invested in, but I also happen to know that Tesla is in the right place at the right time because, you know, push forward 12 to 15 months, 18 months, I think they're going to have a pretty impressive humanoid um, and it will be scalable at Tesla. And I think they are going to be light years ahead of all of the other major manufacturers that want to get into the humanoid space. And I think the humanoid business can be as large, theoretically one day be larger 
than the automotive sector. And I think Tesla is positioning themselves to be a leader in that space. I just happen to have insight into humanoid development. And I'm te- I have been told uh, by people I trust in this world that within three to five years, we will have humanoids in that thirty to $45,000 range that will be able to do almost anything that you need them to do for logistics, manufacturing. These are generalized humanoids. And then after that, we will be able to have them in commercial businesses as well as in the home. So just imagine humanoids literally doing everything from picking up dog poo to doing your laundry. I think that's not the next five years, but within five to 10, that is absolutely a a realistic thing that could happen uh, even in the home. I think the humanoid industry, how it impacts um, uh, logistics, though, and manufacturing, and so many other sectors, uh, is just being underappreciated by the market. And Tesla is one of a handful of companies that is in a position to really scale out a humanoid project over the next decade. And I think if, you know, not if, I think it's a matter of when, when the market realizes uh, that this is going to be a thing, just like they didn't believe in AI, and now everybody believes in AI. And by the way, everything I just said about humanoids was prior to this AI acceleration in the last three, four months, right? So you add what's happening in AI with humanoid hardware development, dude, I, it's mind-blowing. I think that's the most inter- interesting story about Tesla. The second most interesting story about Tesla is the coming refresh cycle. Tesla does not have normal investors. They have Colton, they have, excuse me, Customers. They have cult customers that are passionate about the brand. They are generally wealthy and they've never gotten to really experience a full, real refresh cycle, meaning a new line of vehicles that are built on a totally different platform. Elon has now said that is coming. When? Who knows? But let's just say in the next three years, right? That's coming along with the Cybertruck. And I think that refresh cycle that Tesla is going to go through is just totally underappreciated because I think it's like the majority of Tesla drivers, the second that refresh cycle happens, they don't care. They're getting rid of their Teslas and they are in. They're just going to spend, they're going to be in on that refresh cycle. Kind of like the app, the fir- remember the first mega iPhone refresh cycle? That was underappreciated too, okay? Because the first generation of iPhone owners, kind of like the first generation of Tesla owners, were wealthy and passionate and that they they were going to buy that new iphone at any price and they were going to just going to do it they were just going to get rid of their old one they're going to do it so that's my tesla thesis um tesla i also said a while about a month ago i feel like the perfect amount of tesla for me to own to never have fomo is four percent of my portfolio so that's what i did i have four percent of my portfolio in tesla now i might increase it over times i might buy options when i think they're going to have a good quarter but like 4%. 4%. I'm going to try to stay there forever, right? It will be 4% of my portfolio. My portfolio used to be 70% because I bought it at $8 like pre-split. And I didn't oh, buy much okay. and then eventually took over my whole account. But I was an idiot back then because when the stock kept going up, I never bought more because I liked to see my percentage gain. I didn't look, you know, it doesn't matter what your percentage gain is. It matters with the absolute dollars. So when the stock went from 8 to 200, like I wasn't buying more shares because I just wanted to see – Percentage gain three six thousand uh, percent, and I it still bothers me to this day. Like I'm buying more INMD. You know, I started the position um, 
you know, I increased it greatly, but I, I like seeing the big percentage gains, but I have to get rid of that because that's the absolute dollar is really what matters, you know? Yeah, so, so good, getting back to the risk factors there, deep recession could be a problem. Yeah. Also, there's one other risk factor I think about because they finance all these machines that if the cost of financing goes up too much, that could be potentially a negative. I don't know, maybe the company's subsidizing the financing. Should, I'm not even sure. They should sure. crowdsource that, that financing. Yeah, so you know what's really cool, Jay? So right now, the majority of the revenue comes from selling these $120,000 machines. Yeah. But they have a subscription revenue. And every single time you use one of these machines on a person, you have to use a cartridge. Those cartridges obviously come from InMode. So that's like a subscription on usage, right? So that piece of the revenue pie is relatively small. I want to say 15%, 20% of the revenue. But it's growing. It's growing fast. And eventually, that subscription revenue is going to get so large once they get more machines out that I think we're going to see a kind of a flipping, flipping happening in the next three to four years when their subscription revenue, you know, kind of becomes a larger part of that company. So all very exciting. These investments all come with risk, obviously. Everybody should do their own homework. The management risk is out there as well. Um, do your own research, make your own decisions. But yeah. that, that's kind of my analysis. And we've done some shows just on this at Dumb Money Live on YouTube. You want to see those well, shows. That's gonna, well, that's what I was going to say. You, you also have a position you know, you know, on TAP, Molson, and you can see those at Dumb Money Live. You can see his shows. You can see Chris. We're going to have Chris on a lot more often, getting updates. I follow Chris's picks. Um, but also, maybe we'll just do a health show because you've changed your life with this intermittent fasting. And I know we talked about it when we were in Phoenix at the game about um, uh, who was the player that was getting injured, the point guard for the Suns. And I'm like, Chris, come on, yell, yell to him and say, um, tell him about your intermittent fasting. Who, you know what I'm talking about, the, the point guard, uh, Chris? Uh, I think so. I, think, I, forget, I forget his name, but, yeah, I, I think so. The, the main guy, the main guy who got, injured at the, who got injured in the playoffs, and I was just thinking about our conversation because he's like a health nut, but I don't know if he ever did the intermittent fasting. He got injured and didn't play in the final games against – against Denver but um the intermittent well, fasting what did you say no I was gonna say I, I I agree and and I I talk about that on Twitter too and like honestly everything that I'm doing and seeing for the most part I openly just tweet about it at Chris Camillo so uh, or you know same thing you know dumb money you know TV on Twitter as well but I, I'm just very open I don't sell courses as you know just I'm not like I'm a little bit different from other financial kind of Yep. You know, people on the internet. Um, I just really enjoy what I do, and I want to bridge the entire world into the investor class. And I just want to kind of inspire people to start observing, you know, their lives around them and start connecting dots to becoming, you know, active yep. investors. You're and not a technical trader. You're you're a fundamental trend following and uh, social you know, arb observational social. investor. Not not fundamental, social. but but. I don't look at charts and I don't look at stock price and I don't look at PE. What, I don't look at any what of was stuff. the social arb? What was the social arb website? What was that called way back when that you had? Uh, the website that I had. Or, um, no, whatever the, the thing, the, the small thing investment. Like it was a you were the data, the data. Oh, thing. oh, small a ticker tags. Yeah, so I had. Ticker, I was the I could, first. I, 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 I can remember the name. That's all. So I had a social intelligence company with Jordan McLean, uh, my business yep. partner, and we basically taught hedge funds and investment yep. banks how to extract uh, contextualized data off of Twitter and to connect to see what the world was talking about, right, in real time. Yep. And we connected the dots back to publicly traded securities that would benefit or be harmed by that subject matter. And uh, we were one of the first to do that on Wall Street. And I will say this. 
don't be afraid of Wall Street and their army of staff because I guarantee you still in 2023 they still don't know how to do this stuff like it's absolutely wild the retail investor uh, especially people in my community know how to do this way I mean, better. I remember during COVID everyone was buying boats they were buying tubes they were buying Polaris all those things remember those trades that we were doing way back in, when in retrospect outdoor stocks even so obvious so I know obvious, so man. Like what about that the the yeti yeti like all those freaking things Everything. It's so obvious but it's like in the like this in mode to me seems so obvious but I'm actually going to go to the medical spa tomorrow that I know this lady who owns her I'm going to message her and see if she uses it if she is in on it I'm yeah, all in so, so it, no, remember this it doesn't matter which one they use because it's it's a class of machine and just ask her generally about the class of machine about radio frequency micro needle okay. right and so if I want to search for the growth of this on Google Trends I don't I can search for Morpheus 8 which is the name of their machine but what I generally search for is micro needling or RF micro needling and you could see that Increase in searches, just climbing, right? That that's representative of interest, right? Consumer interest so, in the category. I won't mortgage the house, but you know we'll, we'll figure be, it out. Um, absolutely, there, there's risk factors in any investment, right? No, I know. You never know what's going on inside. Never go too hard in one thing because you know you never know. There's always risk factors. Even if Tesla comes with new cars, there's always risk factors. There's always risk factors. So, By, by know, the way, right. Jason, uh, I, I think you guys had some uh, journalists out at our premiere of This Is Not Financial Advice at the Tribeca Film Festival. I don't know yeah, if you yeah. like the film Luke, or not. I hope Luke you did. Jacob, Luke, yeah, Luke Jacoby was there. Uh, said it was great. He loved it. I wish I would have been able to come. I just My son had travel baseball, and then I took a bunch of people to Taylor Swift the night before for my daughter's birthday. But yeah, he said it was awesome. So I, this is not financial advice. You guys should check it out. Yeah, they still have a couple showings this week at Tribeca. I don't know if they're sold out or not, but man, it, it's awesome. I have a, I'm in it for like 15 seconds, but it so is sick. a really good so film sick. about that's our relationship so with money. And like, it's a narrative film, man. It's like with follows characters. It's not one of these boring so finance films. I, awesome. I can't wait to see, I haven't seen it. I can't wait to see it. All You're right. Um, I'm, thank you for joining me. Go enjoy the beach with your family. You deserve it. Enjoy. Get outside. Get some color on that face, you know? I mean, try Mr. Health Nut. Yeah. Try. <laughs> Do you, are you intermittent fasting on the trip? Uh, yes. Yeah. So I, I, I'm intermittent right. fasting on the trip but w- with right. the ability to take, if my family wants to do a brunt, like I'll do it. I'm not going to like be, you know, that yep. strict on vacation. So I will eat, okay, cool. but if right. they want to. That's just me right, being but, curious of the show. Part. But all right. Thank you, Chris Camillo, Dumb Money. Uh, check it out. Check out um, the movie. Check it all out. And uh, we'll update in, in about a month. We'll have Chris on again and get like another 15-minute update. He is smart as can be and just sees trends before that person does. So thank you again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason.